Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from On Shammat Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Titzavah, the creativity that flows from ritual. I sometimes imagine what your writing schedule is like. You know, I, look at, I look at some of your books and um, they're lengthy. And so I think to myself, gosh, how, how much discipline does it take to write a book like that? And do you take time every day to write? What's, what's your routine? Well, I think discipline is a huge part of it because, it, you know, there's nobody watching me. There's no editor um, asking me how many words I wrote this week or even, you know, I might go years without even hearing from my editor. So it's all on me. And I, and I know some writers have these really disciplined, carefully organized schedules where they, they, you know, they wake up at five and they work from five to 10 and then they have a cup of coffee and then they go back and they revise from, you know, 1030 to that, that doesn't work for me though, because I'm doing research much of the time. So I might have, you know, a year where I'm doing no writing at all and just doing research and reading and interviewing and visiting libraries. So I can't really have that same daily structure, but I, but I would say that discipline is still a hugely important part of how I work because if you don't really stay focused, if you don't work every day and, and when, when you do come down to writing time, if you don't really add words every day, that doesn't sound very romantic, adding words, but you know, if you're not um, just um, really putting in the, the time that it takes to, to add words, to like write new sentences and new paragraphs and new chapters, you're just not going to get it done. You know, you, you can't stop and think about it for too long. You just have to keep pushing, even if it's not really, if you don't feel like you're ready to write yet. So I think about it a lot like running, you know, you don't always want to get out the door to run, but if you, but if you stop, you're going to get out of shape and pretty soon you're going to realize that you can't run at all anymore because you've gotten too, too, you know, your, your, your cardio is gone. Right. I, I think, you know, you think for creative people, there'd be this kind of epiphany moment where, you know, you, you know, the, the light switch goes on and you sit to, sit down and write, but actually it's much more routinized than that. Um, yeah, it is. Although I would say that it's funny because like when I do have epiphanies, when like I get great creative ideas, they often come when I'm actually out running. Um, hmm. So I think there's, there's something to be said for that too, that dis the discipline of running is definitely connected to the discipline of writing for me. That's interesting. This is a crazy book that I came across called Daily Rituals, How Great Minds Make Time, Find Inspiration, and Get to Work. And uh, he has examples, about 150 examples, actually, of philosophers, artists, composers, writers, um, all kind of showing their daily ritual. So, like, who knew that Beethoven would rise each morning at dawn, make himself coffee? And he was so fastidious about this that he would only use exactly 60 beans, right, which he counted out each time. He then goes sit at his desk. He would compose from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. He would go for a long walk. He would take a pencil with him, some sheets of paper, record any ideas that came to him along the way. And he would have, you know, dinner, smoke a pipe, go to bed, 10 o'clock and start over the next day. It's just fascinating to see how the routinization is part of the creative approach. 
Yeah, and I just want to add before you inevitably tell us how this connects to the Torah portion of that, because yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I smell that coming, um, like those coffee beans, I can smell them. Um, wise, wise man you are. But I want to just add that I can totally relate to that, not that I compare myself to Beethoven, but I have this ritual, and, and I talk about it to Jen all the time, you know, why do I like to have the same thing for breakfast every day? And I also measure my my coffee beans. And I think it's because I like to have nothing else to think about when it comes to my breakfast. I don't want to think about it. I want to just have this routine that is automatic. I know what I like. I move on. And I, I feel like I'm saving my, my brain space for what matters. You know, uh, President Obama was famous for things like that. He only had one suit, not one suit, but the same suit you know, multiple um, suits in his closet, but it was the same suit mm -hmm. and same ties because he didn't want to expend any energy on making decisions other than the work at hand. That's right. And his snack was always seven almonds, apparently. Right. Exactly right. He would count them out. And, and so that, that's the same type of idea. But people like Immanuel Kant, great, great, philosopher of his time was famous for his routine. Uh, he get up, drink coffee, write, give lectures, eat, take a walk. Everything had its time and you couldn't speak to him unless you did that. In Israel, uh, Shai Agnon, who won the Nobel Prize, was the national treasurer. He wrote at specific times of the day. And in Israel, there were signs up around in his neighborhood, you weren't allowed to honk your horn. God forbid you would disturb it, but it was very specific as to what time because of his routine. Wow. Can I get that in my neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, right. Oakdale Avenue, signs going up. We could, we could really use them. My God. Yeah. Um, those of us who live in the city. Okay, so here's the big reveal. How does this uh, connect to our Torah reading? That we're now in the portion of Titzavah. And so this is all, these portions are all about the tabernacle, the building of the tabernacle, and all the precision that goes into it. But there's a whole section in this portion about the priests. Not only their routine, and they had a very specific routine, but also the specificity of their clothing, what they wore, when they wore it, how they wore it. And for People who are looking at religion with a sense of creativity and spontaneity, you might wonder to yourself, well, wait a minute, doesn't routine sort of go against the creative drive within us or the religious spirit? I want to just say what I want to say. I want to make my own prayer I, or I'm going to pray when the uh, spirit hits me. I mean, do you ever think that? Yeah, sure. Um, and I think it, it ties in really well with the with what we've been talking about. You know, writing is a creative discipline, but it as a, but it's a discipline. And if you don't sit down and do it every day, if you don't really work on your skills, you're not going to find the creative outlet. And I think prayer is the same way. It has to have structure. The creativity has to flow from, from a structure or else it doesn't have a, a solid foundation. I think you've said it really well. You may not have a religious moment, if you will, or this sort of epiphany of, wow, this is a great insight. Sometimes, and I'll speak for myself, sometimes prayer just feels like a ritual. You know, you kind of go through it and you try and focus. 
but you're not always there or it just doesn't speak to you. And there are other mornings or afternoons or evenings when you sort of overcome, you didn't see it coming, but gosh, it just strikes you in a very different way. And unless you are doing the prayer service each and every day, if you're, as long as you are in the, uh, in the discipline of prayer, those opportunities will find you. But if you only pray when you are standing at the Grand Canyon or witnessing a birth, you know, Janet and I visited our son and daughter-in-law, Joe and Casey, this uh, past uh, week, and we got to hold our first grandchild. And I got to tell you, that was a very religious moment. That was a very spiritual. And the, But those moments don't happen all the time, and I'm grateful to have it. But if you are if you are engaged in the ritual, then you can also find your way into the uh, more creative, or shall we say, the deeper religious experience. Yeah, and I would maybe extend on that and say that if you fall out of the fate of the practice and you lose your discipline part of it, the part that might not seem as uh, exciting day to day, then it's kind of like you know losing your cardio from not running. You, you're not in shape for it. You're not ready for it. You're not prepared when those moments of a uh, of, of possibility come along. I think that's exactly right. And interestingly enough, Judaism has this very interesting leadership dichotomy. You have Aaron, and Aaron is the first high priest. So all of the priests are descendants of Aaron, right? They're Levites, but they're specifically the Kohanim, the priests are from the household of Aaron. And they kind of represent the status quo. They represent routine and kind of religion as ritual. Moses is his brother, but Moses isn't a priest. Moses is a prophet, you know? So Moses has these wildly creative moments where he goes off script, you know, where he argues with God, where he does exactly what you don't expect him to do. God says, you know, these people are sinful. They build the golden calf. I'm going to destroy them. So if Moses was following the script, Moses would say, I totally get it, God. You know, it's, I'm sorry for them, but, you know, they bought this. But Moses doesn't do that. Moses stands up to God and he argues with God. I don't see Aaron doing that because it's not part of the script. And so in Jewish life, you have this very interesting dichotomy of the prophet and the priest. And we don't have prophets anymore. And we don't really have a functioning priesthood without a temple. What you have are rabbis and cantors and leaders. But I, I think that the prophetic strain, that kind of creative challenge, remains important and something we should be thinking about. Because otherwise, it's easy just to get lost in the ritual, in the day-to-day, -to, -day, to kind of feel like, well, I did my job, I prayed, okay, I'm done as opposed to what is the effect of the ritual on you? How does it affect you? How does it ultimately bring God into the world is a really interesting question. Yeah, and if, if Beethoven only did his uh, 30 coffee beans and, and didn't take a notebook with him when he went for a walk, um, the 30 coffee beans wouldn't amount to much. Exactly right. I think you've got to stay disciplined and, and, and stay in shape, but you also have to be open to the creativity and to the wonder. Oh, I love that.
So let me let me kind of bring this conversation to uh, close, or in the in the words of Beethoven, a crescendo. Um, so Heschel has a great Heschel was a master of prayer. He was from a Hasidic family, and he was, by the way, a major critic of the way that many synagogues conduct prayer, which feels very routine, without space for creative moments of wonder. And he tells a story about a, a little village somewhere in Europe, and they had one watchmaker, and before electronic watches, for some of our younger listeners, you actually had to get your watch adjusted. And most importantly, you had to wind your watch every day. I remember that. I bet you remember that too. Yep. And so in this story, the watchmaker dies, so he's no longer available. Now, in the village, they're waiting for a new watchmaker to come, but it could take a long time. Some people took their watches off, they put them in a drawer, and they said, well, when the watchmaker comes, we'll take them out and he'll fix them or adjust them. Other people were in the habit of winding their watches, so they would wind their watches every day, part of that ritual that some of us remember. And then finally, one day, a watchmaker came, and everybody got their watches and they brought them to the watchmaker. Turns out that the only watches that he could fix were the ones that had been wound each day because the others had kind of rusted over. Mm. And I think that that's, that's an important lesson about prayers or any discipline, right? It doesn't matter how much you do, but as long as you do it, you keep the possibility open. And so that, I think, is an interesting idea that comes from this week's portion. I like that a lot, and I think we should uh, end on that crescendo. We don't need a coda. I think that's a great lesson uh, to uh, keep your watches wound. <laughs> now, the question is, which of us is the priest and which of us is the prophet? Mm. We'll let our listeners ponder that and wish everyone a wonderful day. Thanks, Rabbi. Thanks, Rabbi.